Three, two, one, and uh, we're live, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Take This Online with me, Digital Hoos. Um, super cool guest we have today. We have uh, Phil Bedford in the house. Hey, thanks, how's it going? Thanks for being here. Who I got in touch with on LinkedIn lately because I actually checked out some of your content, okay. and I really, th- I really think it's cool. So I, I want to tell, I want to get into it. But uh, tell me exactly what do you do? Let's talk about it. Okay, so my nickname is the Rebel Networker. Yeah, that's that's his handle on Instagram. Yeah, that's Check my him out. Handle, yeah. Uh, and well, in a nutshell. I primarily work with business owners mm-hmm. who are looking to launch a business. I mean, for anyone out there who's listening to this, let me just give you a dynamic. Sure. So if you're if you're looking to launch a business yeah. or you launched a business recently, there tends to be a bit of a dream. Sure. I want to work for myself. 100%. I want freedom. I want to change the world. I want more time for my friends. One more time for my family. Yeah, I want to control it. The right? Entrepreneur dream. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is Less money, more stress, less time with the family. Mm-hmm. So the dream and the reality are completely different. Yeah. And if we as people look at ourselves, we're actually if we can surround ourselves with the right people, mm. with the right strategy, we can get the clients we want, the information we want, the support we want. But most people don't have the right contacts. Mm. So what we do is through what they call networking or relationship building, we show people how to build a strategy that makes the reality of the business Very increases cool. the chances Very cool. of success. Before we get into it, yeah. people, I kind of like to take a step back and I like to understand someone's journey to where they got today. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting. I want to know, what did, what did you initially study? Let's, go, let's start with academic and then we'll move into career. What was like your academic life? Oh, terrible. Okay. This is going to make it really interesting, right? It's both of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think like a lot of people, um, my parents really valued education sure. uh, and school. Um, they're baby boomers, right? So it's kind of the, yeah, the, their, exactly. their culture, like, right? Yeah, it, and it was, you know, it was everyone who put you through good kids through education. Yeah. So, but anyway, the point was no one actually told me I needed to study. <laughs> I kind of think, I kind of thought the idea was to know it. Yeah. Uh, and so when I went to, I think I was about 15, we actually moved uh, house. So I oh, went right. from being one of the top people in my class in terms of uh, grades, mm-hmm. uh, again, just from knowing it. Yeah. Uh, so we moved and then it all kind of started to go wrong. Where did you move to? Uh, we moved from the Midlands. We're living in the middle of the okay. UK. And then we moved back to our home in the south. So Brixham okay, was a fishing village. Okay, okay. Um, anyway, for whatever reason, uh, I ended up bombing in my exams. So I, I think I left school with uh, a history exam. Uh, okay. A, 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 not a good one, but just yeah. a grade in history. <laughs> so yeah, kind of, kind of all went horribly wrong for me. So I ended up putting myself back through college to try and get okay. some some qualifications. What, what, what did you graduate with? What kind of degree? Oh, well, here's a funny story. Yeah. So I completely messed up the whole college thing. Yeah. So make, okay, uh, well and I actually left, after going through A-levels, I messed that up as well. Okay. Um, so I ended up working on a building site, carrying bricks. Okay. Uh, mixing the, the what they call the muck, you know, yeah. the, the thing that joins the bricks together. Yeah. So I ended up doing that. Interesting. And okay. uh, ended up putting myself back through college because I thought, oh, I can't be doing this for my life. Fair. So I ended up going back to college one day a week. Uh, the rest of the time I was laboring. Okay. Uh, then I ended up doing washing up in a hotel mm-hmm. six days a week and one day at college. Okay. And um, basically put myself, I managed to get to university by doing what they, it was like, they call them a B-tech. Mm-hmm. So it's you work and you study and you get through the work mm-hmm. uh, route rather than the educational route. Yeah. So I went through that way and okay. ended up at you. But I ended up with a master's degree in engineering. Um, oh, what kind of engineering? Uh, civils and structurals. Interesting. So I, what I always say that makes the both of us, so I started off, in civil engineering, yeah. when you come from Arab parents, obviously, right, right. ethnic family, ethnic people can relate. You know, it's either doctor, architect, engineer—the standard 
the standard, you know, portfolio of that. And obviously, because my parents wanted the best for me, I don't think that there was never anything, there was nothing, nothing ever malicious, right? They wanted the best for me. And that was, that, that made sense at that yeah. time in Lebanon, you know, the best paying job is an engineer or an architect or a doctor. It's just what it right. is. But within semester, <laughs> I realized it's not for me. It's not for me. Right. I can't do it. I can't imagine myself doing the rest of my life. And then I spent three years doing marketing classes on the low, on the down low without anyone knowing because mm. I was afraid. To, you know what I mean? You don't want to be the disappointment. Get it. And then eventually I had to leave one university, shifted to another one because I couldn't graduate there anymore and delayed kind of my graduation. Kind of mucked it all about. Then did my master's degree in marketing in London, hmm. Brunel University, and then made it to media. So I kind of had a random journey as well. So I could relate to you. So master's engineering. Hmm. Did you actually work in engineering? Yeah, but before I went to uni. Okay, yeah, exactly. So part of my journey was actually working as what they call a site engineer. Okay. So started off standing there holding a the little pole. You know when you're driving along the road and you yeah. see these guys looking through the, the machine and then yeah, the what, guy yeah. at the other end with the pole? I always wondered what that was. So I started on with a pole. So that's basically a measurement tool. Okay. Uh, so the guy with the pole is basically his job's to hold the pole. Yeah. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's how I started off holding the pole. Uh, then moved towards doing the site yeah. engineering stuff, but with no sort of, no qualifications. Interesting. So, yeah, but like yourself, I mean, I did the whole three years uh, Bachelor of Engineering in the mm. UK. Then I did the Masters, which was in Spain, oddly mm. enough. Okay. Um, but uh, I knew from the beginning it wasn't for me. Okay. But I don't know about where you come from, but where I come from, if you can get a degree in engineering, you can do pretty much anything. Because mm. people accept the fact that it's such a tough qualification to get and it requires discipline and mm. it requires analytical knowledge and organization. So I finished it. Okay. And then where where you go next? Where, where was the next place? Uh, actually, recruitment. Okay. So I came back from well, Spain. Okay. I, yeah, I lived in Spain for a year surfing and okay, teaching cool. English. Uh, Barcelona? No, Santander. So okay. the north of Spain. All right, cool. So I did my master's there and at the end of my master's, I stayed for another year. Fair enough. Uh, which was fantastic. I'm so. sure. One of my goals was to learn Spanish, so yeah. did that. Awesome. Um, but then, yeah, came back to the UK, thought, you know, I've got, I've got this master's, I've got to use the thing, you know, <laughs> at least give it a go. Um, but uh, no, I could only get a job in recruitment, so I ended up in uh, electrical and mechanical recruitment, recruitment, temporary recruitment. Okay, fine. Uh, then construction, then industrial. So I fell into that sort of sales space. Mm. And recruitment's a heavily um, competitive industry in the UK. Oh, big, sure it big is. Big sales driven. So that got me into the whole turn up in suits, you know, ties, all this sort of did that, thing. Did that kind of, were you always, were you always a people person? Or you um, kind of have to learn that? Do you know what? I think deep down you are. Uh, my challenge was I was heavily bullied as a kid. Mm. So it's hard to be tough yeah, when I'll you're say. hiding. Yeah. Uh, or social when you're hiding at the yeah, same time. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think you, I am, yeah. People. You're naturally an extrovert then. Uh, both. Okay, fine. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm Depends on the scenario? Say, I call myself a situational extrovert. Okay, interesting. Okay, okay so depending you, on where yeah. you are. So, for example, if you look at some of the biggest speakers in the world, they're yeah. on the stage and they're, like, and they're brilliant. They've got this energy mm. and everyone loves them. They come off the stage, they'll go and hide in the corner. Mm. Right? That's really so interesting. That's yeah. quote, so, that's where we can turn it on. That's really interesting. Um, I, but like you, I was also heavily bullied, which affected my confidence and made me... I think I was an extrovert out of fear of people finding out how low, how, what low self confidence I had, kind of thing. Mm. So, the, but I'm I'm now in a place where that's done. I mm. kind of I've been working on myself for like five years, and I got over that. Now I know I'm a full extrovert, and I, I can't be an introvert. Mm. So, I, I, but it's really interesting how you can kind of turn it on. That's that's pretty profound. You, to can, me. you can learn. I mean, the interesting thing about being bullied, I don't know yeah. about you. But um, I find it shows up big time later life. Oh, hell yeah. You know, give, and you're saying you've been working on it recently. Yeah. So, you know, I've spent a fortune working on me. Yeah. Uh, it took me. So I, so all through my 20s, I, I rebelled in ugly ways. I treated friends badly. I think it all came down to self-confidence, the way I looked at myself, the way I kind of 
thought of thought of myself. Then I until I hit like 25, 26, which is interesting because that they say at twenty six is when you fully develop your frontal lobe, mm. which has to do with emotional intelligence stuff like that. So I, I think so. I think that's the science behind it. Don't ask, don't don't quote me. So I think it just happened at that point where I kind of hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom. Mm. I was in Dubai. I was broke. Mm. When you're broke in Dubai, it's not fun. Mm. I was like, I I was so broke. I was so broke. I would like take water from work because I couldn't afford water. Mm. That's how broke I was in Dubai. And I hit I hit that point. I'm like, okay, I just, I just, something has to change. Something has to change, and it took then four to five years of just self awareness, uh, self meditation, um, looking into myself, facing who I am, and then working on that mm-hmm. to the person I am today. Which I'm a very different person now. Mm-hmm. So, ago. so do you feel that your your emotional baggage was breaking your ability to earn? Yes. Right. Interesting. I think I'm, I was a person where I don't know if it's a you kind of learn it. I don't know if it's an Arab thing, but you it's it's not. You're not supposed to talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're you're a man in the Arab world. You're not supposed to talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. So I would bury it, mm-hmm. and then explode mm-hmm. years later mm-hmm. at people that didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And it caused a lot of problems with my family and stuff like that. Until the day I decided to, to let that go, work on myself, and, I, and everything changed for me. My my relationship with my family exponentially increased. Right. Mm. Right. I mean, my dad went from being like, con- like conflict all the time. Now we're, now we're best friends. My dad's my best friend now. Mm. Um, my relationships got better. I had just met my wife at the time too. And I was mentally and emotionally ready to, to be with someone. I think that's why we, we ended up getting married for me. My, my career got better. My contact, my, my entire life got better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very pro, you know, working on yourself, become, get that emotional intelligence, learn empathy, accountability, self-awareness. I'm very, like, I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, and Just, the interesting thing is if, you know, if, if you're not going to go, if you're not going to have that journey because of some sort of cultural yeah. norm, you know, then, uh, you know, all those other people suffer that you could have impacted, right? Uh, and I know 100%. people are very important to me in my life that will never have that conversation. Oh, same. Uh, and they're, they're same. in their later years and they're just kind of writing it off and saying, well, I'm too old now. What? You're yeah, too no old? What if you've got 10 or 15 years left and you could be having a better quality of life? 100%. You know? But yeah, I mean, I spent an absolute fortune, NLP, yeah. coaching. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you know, it's like you're saying, you know, the thing is you start to react badly now. You know, something happens, and if you're if you're listening to this, and you, for example, I think if you find that you fire up when someone says a certain thing, mm. or so, you know, that's coming from years ago in your oh, baggage. Hell yeah. And unless you can deal with that, you start to ruin stuff right now. Very true. And, and like yourself, I, I, you know, the perception coming from the recruitment background was, you know, if you're dressed smart, you're good at what you do, you don't mess people around, people are going to buy from you, people mm. are going to want to be with you. And what I was finding was that wasn't the case. Yeah, because what I had was a a, a deep defense mechanism in myself. Mm. That if I felt people were lording it over me or bullying me, whether it's emotionally or professionally or whatever, I'd fire up mm. and I'd get defensive, like I was trying yeah. to defend that kid back in those days, you know. Yeah. And unless you can deal with that, it, it you know it, it impacts it's, your quality of life and and your, your business. It's very destructive. Yeah. So is that time in recruitment? Did that really develop your sales skills? Not at all. At all, okay. No, actually, um, I did it. I was the top salesperson. Okay. uh, But they never put me on sales training, uh, which was kind of weird, right? So that's kind of what led to what I'm doing now. So one one of my transitions was I started to realize that I was getting clients and I was being successful, but through relationships, through the people I met, through the way I treated people, through my, I never did it through the cold calling or the sales ability. Do you know the best salespeople I've ever met were ones that never tried to sell to me? I talk about this all the time, and this person will know who he is, and I, I know I know he listens to the podcast. I'm not gonna say his name. Is that he would come and meet me just to hang out? 
Mm. And we're, we've gotten very, we're very close friends now, but he was the best salesman. Mm-hmm. And I ended up giving him the most business mm. because I, I found that one, he didn't come with a motive. He didn't come with a sales pitch. He came just to want to actually talk about digital. He actually wanted to talk about me. We wanted to get to know each other. And I think that's kind of where I'm like, all right, cool. This is someone. And that's something I always tell people, especially when you get cold. I'm sure you get it all the time. I'm sure you get cold emails on like the gold mm. LinkedIn messages. I have this. I want to sell you this. But like, come on, that's not the way to do it. You think, you know, like when I, the second I went to client side, I get tens of those a day. Hmm. You see, here's the thing though, yeah. right? That, that, that guy who's such a good salesperson, yeah. right? He didn't just see you once. No. He came back multiple times, I saw him right? every week. There you go. So, for so, months. So this is the thing. When you're in relationship sales, mm. once doesn't work. No. You've got to keep coming back, right? Yeah. But, and this is if you, this is actually the premise of networking, right? Mm. People hate the word networking. There's probably people listening to this that start to sweat if you say the word networking, It has a right? bad connotation yeah, to it, because, doesn't it? Yeah, because... Networking is what your mate did. Mm. That's called relationship building. That's where you come back, you see someone. But what do people do? They go once and expect to sail. Mm. And then if it doesn't work, they move on. Well, that's not networking. That's cold calling face to face. Yeah. And so there's your distinction immediately. No, that's really interesting. No, good. I like the way you put it. Cool. So uh, what happened after recruitment? Where do you go next? Um, so I did five years in recruitment and then I came here on holiday. What year was this? Oh my golly. Uh, 97, 98. Okay, so before Dubai was the big thing. It was just starting, yeah. I think, yeah. So, um, yeah, I came out on holiday. My friend was here as a, an air hostess. So I came here, stayed over, met her friends yeah. and all that. And a guy, I went out desert driving. Okay. And at the end of the, the session, when we were pumping up the tires, a uh, guy says, oh, I've got to talk to a guy. And he says, oh, come and look at what I do, which was an ex- exhibition stand business. Okay. At the time. So I came, visited it, uh, went back to the UK, and he chased me up and said, look, you fancy a job? And I was pretty bored in the UK. It wasn't going anywhere in recruitment. Yeah. And just thought, you know what? Yeah, change. Give it a go, right? Yeah. So I just threw it all in and came. Interesting. So you're in the late 90s. And then you're working at exhibition sales, right? Yeah, exhibition sales. So oddly enough, again, really uncomfortable with the word being a salesman. Mm. You know, also I was like, I'm not in sales. Yeah, I, I don't have a bag and I'm not selling brushes. That's not me. I'm a professional. Mm. I'm good at what, you know. And I was really uncomfortable with that whole dynamic. Yeah. And I think it's right. It's about shifting your mindset, really. 100%. Yeah. Okay, then what happened next? Five years in exhibition sales. Um, now, I'd had a hobby. I've been, I'd started teaching salsa in the UK. Okay. Because um, my time in Spain, Spain so yeah. I picked up dancing. And I used to help this lady with her classes. Yeah. And then someone approached me and said, hey, should we do our own? So I started teaching in, in Bath in the UK. And I was doing it for about a year and then I okay. moved to Dubai. And I landed here and there was one or two people dancing. It was The level was quite low. Mm. Um, and pretty much immediately. I remember walk, driving into the first club and picking up this lady to dance. Her name was Ruth. And there was Ruth and Judy. They were uh, senior ladies at the time. And dancing with them. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, you need to teach. <laughs> and so that kind of started off my, uh, my salsa career. So I started teaching four or five nights a week. That's really cool. And uh, Do you think... All these things you were doing, do you think it was all kind of preparation to what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Because even so, even like teaching dancing, that that change that that I think has skills outside of the actual dance itself, right? Because oh, you've got to market the business, right? For sure, it's marketing, it's client service. Yeah. You know, when you're teaching a dance class, and this is where a lot of new people to dancing mess up, they think it's about teaching the move. Mm. It's about crowd management. Mm. It's about marketing. It's about making people feel comfortable. It's all yeah. that you know. And there's so many teachers fail in salsa. Because they're good dancers, but they don't know how to explain. They don't mm. know how to be empathetic. You know, they don't know how to have empathy for people that can't get it. Mm. And they don't need to realize it. They don't did realize you, the important things. Are you in, trans- naturally empathetic? Uh, or did you learn I don't it? think so. 
Okay, fine. And you, neither I, was I. No, I think I think from I think from a dancing perspective, yes, because I was a really bad student. So okay. I understood okay. how tough it was to learn. Okay. So now when, when students don't get it, I'm like, okay, it's my job as a teacher to explain this in a way that they understand. Whereas a lot of people will be, oh, you don't get it, you're useless, give up. And mm. I used to pick up a lot of clients whose teachers told them, you need to give up because you'll never get it. That's a horrible thing to horrible say. Horrible thing teacher. to say, exactly. You know, they, do you know, have you ever heard the saying, those who can't do, teach? Teach, yeah, 100%. And, I think and those who can't teach, teach gym. <laughs> but, but the thing is though those who I'm, can't I'm do t- everyone teaches gym i'm not i'm not razzing on you respect, respect. <laughs> but i think those who can't do teach i think that's what makes good teachers hmm. because when yeah. you can't do you struggle because you, you're looking at it from the person who's also going to struggle next there you go yeah, right? yeah, yeah. where someone who's natural at something gets impatient or yeah anyway, that's just an opinion that's that's really cool. So how do you? Because I'm I'm I've been obsessed with empathy for the last six, five six years because mm. I'm not naturally empathetic. Mm. So I, I I try to be every day. Mm. And it goes out of my my nature itself. How did you get? How did you, outside of dancing? How did you bring empathy, or how did you try to bring empathy into your sales, or for example, the thing you do today? I think put yourself in the other person's mm. place. Really, is the kind of thing you have to like tell yourself to to be wary of, or is now coming naturally. After the yeah, I think I think it kind of the more you practice something, mm. the more it becomes a habit, right? Yeah, um, 100%. I was just, I was just driving up here on uh, on the road coming up, and um, my wife and myself went out last night. Yeah, we watched the Downton Abbey movie. Okay, she's into that. Any good? Uh, it depends if you like Downton Abbey. You know, if, um, if you like it for what it is, you'll love it. If okay, you're looking enough. if you're looking for a film, I wouldn't go. Okay, fine, fair yeah. enough. Okay, um, but no, I was just I was just driving up here, and I was thinking we had a conversation last night, and it was. I think as a couple, mm. your job is to make the other person's life better every day. Sure. Well, ho- hopefully that's what you want. Well, that's what you want, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, am I with this person and I, and is this person making my life better every day? Mm. No, you're going to mess up once in a while, of oh, course. For sure. But on the whole, if if you're not, then it's a really interesting dynamic. Mm. And I was driving up here and I was thinking, do you know, I need to be asking myself this question every day. Did I make their life better today? Mm. And if I didn't, what can I learn from that? Fair enough. Do you keep journals or anything where no. you reflect? No, I reflect a lot, but I don't write things down. Okay, fine. I started journaling as well. Also, hugely, massively changed my life. Mm. Because I found something when I, because I was always relying on my thought. And I kind of, the way I look at it is when you just think of something, it's not, it's not real almost. It's like, it's kind of like in the air. But when you write it down physically, mm. it becomes tangible. Mm-hmm. So I, I started doing that. Now that has really helped my emotional intelligence and my empathy and, and my self awareness. So I always, I always tell people if you, if, you, if you're if you're a person who doesn't have naturally skills, it, it really helps. Because my wife is naturally empathetic, and I, mm. I'm, I'm I envy her. And for me, it's a constant effort. But I hope I still you know even four years later, I it has yet to become a natural thing. Now I still have to work on it. Mm. And every now and then she'll point out she's like, oh, you, why you, why do you get angry or why did you get frustrated? I'll be like, oh, you're right. I, I, I but you know what? Live. You'll have other strengths that she won't have. You see, so that's the great thing yeah, about exactly. a, a relationship. I think right? you need to find yeah. that person that will will compliment you, mm. right? You, I always say you don't make a sandwich from peanut butter, peanut butter. You make a sandwich <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, cool. right. So, so it's kind of you have to find that person who really brings out who helps you build on your qualities and vice versa. Kind of thing. Yeah, two yeah. halves make the whole kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, where did we go after exhibition sales? Now you're in the two thousands, right? Yeah, about five years. Uh, I left that and went into real estate. So oddly okay, enough, one, really one of my salsa so, students. So, so yeah, so, so yeah, what it was is um, <laughs> at the, at the time I had a management position in the company. Okay. And uh, when you're in was man- the company doing well? 
it was it was okay. It was what okay. it, it, they tried the best. They weren't the top revenue, but they were mm. they were doing okay. Um, but the times were getting a little bit tougher. And the thing is, you can't be when you put someone in management, mm. you can't expect them to be, to be doing the same amount of sales. For sure. Right. Okay. Because they're two different roles, right? Definitely. So what it was is I was handing out leads to my team and not closing them myself. And then my boss turned around and said, well, hold on a second. Things are tight. Your sales have dropped off. We need you to take less money. I'm like, that's not the way it works. <laughs> you know? and, and I said, look, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm done. So anyway, I left. Yeah. Um, and uh, at that time, I'd also started working in, uh, I had a, a business doing kite surfing. Okay. So I was teaching kite surfing as well. Oh, cool. And um, so basically, yeah, one of my salsa students worked for a real estate company. And she said, hey, do you want to have a look at this? So that moved into real estate for five years. And, yeah. and that was my transition into, my first transition into not having any kind of basic wage. It was 100% commission? Yeah. Interesting. So there you go. So that's the, one of the challenges people make is when you go from a, an employed position, you've always got a wage. Mm. Right. When you go to working for yourself, you no longer have that guarantee because it's based on your performance. Based on well, it's all down to you, right? Yeah. So and and so for me, that transition into working to a real estate company, I didn't I didn't have my own business, which meant at least I didn't have the overheads. Yeah, you didn't have like a P and L. There that, you yeah. go. Right. So it was a transition. But at the end of the day, if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. Yeah. So it was a soft transition into that. No, it makes sense. No, it, it's almost and also kind of you kind of have to build your personal brand. Right, because when you you have to go, you're gonna meet people, you're gonna exchange numbers as Phil. Mm -hmm. So kind of you're representing yourself. So I think it, it also I think probably helps with building that personal brand kind of aspect as well. Yeah, very much. And, and I think that was probably my first realization of, about how powerful my network was. Mm. Uh, um, and so I would. But you kind of intrinsically built through salsa. There through you go. Right? Surfing, I had the yeah. salsa. I had my kite surfing. I had my exhibition. Friends, yeah. Exhibitions. Uh, uh, and so I had this network anyway. And I've been here. A Did you time. think about it before that point that you have a network, or kind of just hit you like? Oh, well, do you know? I, what, do you know what hit me? Um, a lot of the people in the in the group, the other salespeople, had to yeah. clock in, clock out because they wanted to know what people were doing. So it was you know had to be in the office at eight thirty. Mm, okay. You know if you tell people where you were going, this sort of thing. Whereas my boss at the time was like, she didn't care where I was. Mm. because I used to produce. And I remember actually being on the beach with my computer in the car, just taught a kite surfing class, right? Having a cup of tea, having a chat. The person I taught kite surfing with needed a house. Yeah, there you go. So I had my computer. So not only did you teach a class, <laughs> you got paid for it, and you closed the deal. There you go, right? Yeah. So was, it, was it purely uh, residential? I, and, I was doing residential. Uh, renting or, or sales? Sales. Okay, fine. All right, really. Okay, fine. But that was a good. I and mean, again, that was a good experience. Oh, so, I mean, five yeah, years. So really good. You know, they gave me the freedom and all that. But I, I didn't like the. As much as it was good and it was good money, I didn't like the way people were always trying to make money off each other. You know, mm. you'd have a. a I remember a, a brother coming in, going, uh, you know, I'm going to introduce you to my brother who's selling a house, for example. Don't forget my commission." Like, dude, that's your brother. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff. And it, that's mean, not cool. It just wasn't nice. No, it really isn't, isn't it? I, I, I can't even imagine doing that with my brother. That's really weird. Mm. Yeah, I guess people are different, I guess. All right. Um, so then real estate, how long how long you were there for? Five years. Another five years. All right. Yeah. You, you have like a five-year cycle. Uh, so you series. noticed it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it seems to be a five-year cycle. So at the end of that period, I was... Um, uh, I'd started working for another company, so we just launched, and it was basically owned by this other gentleman. Mm. And... I what, was built, what was the company industry? Oh, it really it didn't even. It was in real estate, but it oh, didn't real estate, okay. didn't really kick off properly. Okay. So I had a load of salespeople, and we were, we were moving. But at the time, I became uncomfortable with the gentleman that owned the company. Mm. So I said, "Look, I can't work here." And yeah. so what I did is I found all the people I recruited jobs 
some of them back with my old company, yeah. which was called Milford Real Estate. So I got a lot of people jobs back there. And they said, look, Phil, come back. Um, so I came back with them. But at the same time, I've been in this networking group um, called BNI. And BNI is a structured networking group. Yeah, well, what huge. is it? Let's, let's talk, what's the networking group exactly? So this 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 group gets together. They they'll have uh, let's say twenty thirty business owners, all from different professions, okay. that meet once a week and basically help each other in business, give them referrals and all this. Okay. So it's completely different to a normal network where you just walk in and walk around. It's very structured. Uh, it's a couple of hundred thousand people in the world, about nine thousand groups. Okay, very so, cool. So for me, it was my first introduction to structured networking. Is it like a membership? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. And like a so, screening. There is a screening, yeah, okay. screening process, the whole lot. It's worth visiting. Um, so anyway, I joined it, and that was my first introduction to structured networking. Mm. It blew me away. I was just like, whoa, this is, you know, this is amazing. Right? Yeah. And at the time, I was kind of a frustrated manager. I'd always wanted to be like a manager and not quite got it. And they, and this gave me the opportunity when I joined there to start moving into a management-type dynamic, which was basically running the chapters. So when you're running a group, of all business owners, it does great things for your ego, right? And great things for your skill set. So anyway, I kind of got into that, but um, I'd transitioned into a role there where I was setting up these groups as a consultant, setting them up, training them. Mm. So this is my transition into training, which oddly enough, I'd always wanted to do. Interesting. Um, and yeah. Kind of and just it just happened. It did. It just kind of, and mm. do you know the funny thing? I remember casting my mind about 15 years before thinking, oh, I'd love to get into training. I remember attending a training okay. program and I was thinking, oh, this is so cool. I'd love to be a trainer. Mm. And uh, this kind of got me into that space. Okay, um, cool. And oddly enough, I had to actually do public speaking. And I'd never done public speaking before and I was too nervous and all Did this. Did you have stage fright? Um, I, yeah, kind yeah. of. Well, not not, not, not like um, not paradigm. Crippling, not, yeah. yeah, not like that. But it was like I was nervous. I hid okay. if wouldn't do it if I could. And that was my transition into speaking. And so a lot of people listening to here, you know, they'd rather never do it. And that's kind of where I was. Um, now you put me on a stage in front of 2,000 people, I love it. Yeah. So that, you know, there's so many things in life we don't do because we're scared. Yeah. Um, do you know, it was, odd. it was odd. I was actually, my wife went down to uh, the hospital the other morning because we had to get like these blood tests and stuff. Okay, hopefully everything. Yeah, 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 all good. But it's just, um, I was listening to this kid screaming, right? Mm. So we're seeing that this kid is screaming. How old? And, oh, in the background, in the back yeah. somewhere, obviously getting an injection. Oh, okay. And it's screaming and everyone's upset and the kid's going through pain and then suddenly there's quiet, right? And you know the needle's gone in and the kid's realized, hold on, what pain? Yeah. Right? And it made me think, how many of us scream like that kid about stuff we're uncomfortable with? Mm. And then when we do it, it's like, what was the problem? Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the fear is worse than the the actual experience. hundred percent. So it's how how do we how do we how do we enable people to take that experience mm. to realise it's not that bad? Really and what you did by you know going out and getting you know getting help yeah. when you recognise you had a challenge. Well, that's how we become better people. That's yeah. how we improve the world. 100%. But if we never do that with any any of our fears, we never get the chance. Yeah, very to true. And I feel that sadly most people wait until it becomes something you have to do. So, you know what I mean? Like if I if I went out of my way in my early twenties. Mm. before it became to a point where I had to do it. Back when I should, you know what I mean? Mm. It be, before it became like a, a must need, I probably would have a very different life today. Mm. Maybe a better, I don't know. Right? But, th but there's your problem, right? I mean, a lot of people know they should do stuff. Yeah. It's like, we know we should uh, always have vitamins. We know mm. we should eat healthily, but people don't do it, right? Because right now I want the burger. Yeah. Right? And, and people are Short -term more... Short-term gratification. There you go. Yeah. But the, and people are more inclined to deal with a cut they've got on their hand which is not life-threatening right now 
then they would start to do vitamins and all the stuff they know they need to do. Mm. Because they say it's instant gratification. Mm. And we tend to do the same, I think, with, with us 100%. as people. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, so completely agree. Completely agree. Sometimes you, for me, it's also a lot of self-awareness is something that is really difficult. Because you kind of have to agree, you kind of have to accept the faults in yourself, which most people don't want to do. Yeah. It's not easy. Like I'm telling you from a person who actually had to do it, right? Do you know uh, David Goggins? I do not. Uh, uh, he wrote a book called Can't Hurt Me. Uh, it's really interesting. The guy was, uh, I don't know, like 400 pounds, life going nowhere, uh, failed out of, he kept, he kept wanting to get into Navy SEALs, couldn't make it. Eventually, he, he did something called a, um, accountability mirror. Mm-hmm. Where he stares himself in the mirror every day, and he would tell himself, "All right, cool, man, you're fat, you're dumb." And like he'd tell him the truth about himself, and then write down the things to improve, hmm. and then do that every day. It's a bit extreme. He ended mm-hmm. up because, now he's an ultra marathon runner. He he did he did like I don't know he did years in, in as a as a Navy SEAL special force. I don't know what he did. Like a guy would change his life around, right? Wow. But I, his book was interesting. He did he did it on a very intense extreme, but it kind of put things in perspective. Is that self awareness is so important. Mm. You know what I mean? So you have to you have to know you have to you have to accept who you are and then work to, and then put a plan to get better, kind of thing. That's mm. not easy. Do you know? I think it's something that occurs to me. I'm listening to you, and it's you know a lot of people wait until it's too late, right? Or yeah. they wait until there's an issue. It's what you just said. And I think the thing is, if you're a constant learner, and, and what I mean by that is not doing exams necessarily. What yeah. I mean is, you know, you're always reading books or you're attending seminars or you're mm. doing this and you're doing that. You know, it's almost like you could be picking up the skills without realizing it. Yeah. So that can be chipping away at that stuff. True. So, so if you're consistently educating yourself, rather than let's say learning, educating, you know, I think you can, you know, start to to, to consistently improve yourself. Yeah, Whereas most 100%. people just wait, right? Yeah, like I I, I waited till I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. If I could have done it before, mm-hmm. but you know what? Everything happens. Or I don't know if everything happens for a reason, but it happened, and I think I'm a much better person off for it. So I can't. Maybe more I, empathetic for those people. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm trying to be. Uh, cool. Let's uh, went so so at that point you said you really want to get into training. How did how did that transition come to? to come so to I was in. Really? I was I was working for this. Um, so I was I'd finished the real estate. Yeah, you went back to the real estate, no? Uh, yeah, I went back to the same yes. co- to the old company. Uh, but at that point, when I'd left the the company, I wasn't mm. comfortable with. Uh, I had to go to the guy that owned the franchise for the B and I in the region and mm. say, look, I need to step out as a member. Okay. Because I I didn't have a job. Right, so I had to have a job to be a member. Yeah, okay. Right? So I said I need to step out. But if you didn't tell him, would they have asked you to step out, or, you, um, or because, I don't know, uh, or kind of because they have so many members, you kind of have just stayed. No, I, th- I think you could probably. I, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you're contributing, people are okay. But what's the point if you don't have a job, right? So any- it's, it's it's pretty interesting how you went and told him, like you mm. proactively said, "Hey, I'm going to step out." Instead of you know what I mean, instead of being reactive, you were very proactive. Okay. Thanks. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and actually, this led to the next bit. So the minute I yeah. said, "Look, I need to step out," he said, "Good." Mm. I said, "Why?" I says, "I said I'll just you know giving up my job." He said, "Great." I said, "Why?" He says, "Because I need to talk to you about this thing called at the time it was called the Referral Institute, now we're called Incentive, mm. uh, and it's a it was a global opportunity." And he says, "I need someone to run this. You know, it's a sister company to what we do, and we're looking for someone." I was like, "Oh, tell me more." And um, so that your proactivity. To step out actually relate then translate into a, translate a massive into that opportunity, you know, yeah. yeah. And Very that's that's what I do to this day. Very interesting. You know, oddly but, enough, not five years later, eleven years later. <laughs> question: uh, Are you still part of that now, or you have your own thing, or you're part of that still? Yeah, I mean, I own the master franchise for the okay. GCC in South okay, India, fine. so that's kind of progressed. 
Okay. So while I still have my speaking brand and, and I have other skills I'm capable of, like coaching and sales mm-hmm. and all that, I have these other skills, I'm still heavily involved in the, uh, the Ascent. All right, cool. So that'll bring us till the present day. So let's You're jump pretty into, much there, man. Let's, pretty much there. Let's jump, now let's jump into it. So that, yeah, that, was, that, was a, that was a good 30 minutes of, uh, I, f- I find it very fascinating why, why, why I do my, my podcast this way. I love listening to people, how they got to where they are today. Because mm. honestly, I, for me, it, I've, it's become a, it's become such a learning process. Like I start to pick up things that people did to get to there and I kind of find maybe some, you know, little gems hidden there that I could potentially use. Mm. And my listeners can use. I think, I think. There is more value in knowing the process and just the end result. Yeah. And uh, if I can just um, back you up on that, I think every opportunity I've had, every step that's helped me grow has come through someone I've known. Mm. Right. And so I've, your life has been a network. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. Every yeah. opportunity has come through someone I've known. And and if, you know, if you're listening to this, you'll probably, if you cast your mind back, most jobs come through people we know mm. or most opportunities or good things or whatever come through people we know. And if you're the kind of person that doesn't invest in relationships because you just go from your house cave to your car cave to mm. your office cave to your car cave to your house cave, you may know 10, 15 people. Yeah, but if you're true. the kind of person that will get out there and help and get involved and join clubs and help mm. organize clubs and run clubs, suddenly your five people becomes 150, 200, 300. That is, too, that is like exponentially more opportunities for when you need them. I completely agree. Yeah. What's so interesting, this is, why I lo- this is why I love talking to people like you, is you're, you're talking, the first thing hit me is, I, I'm going to transition. Like when I was in my early 20s, I, I had a chip on my shoulder. Mm. It was me against the world. Right. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to become a billionaire one day, whatever I used to think. And then I'm going to take a dump on everyone who who who, beat, who you know bullied me and, and brought me down. And I used to not want to make any connections. I didn't want to make connections. Because for mm. me, it was always a chip on my shoulder. This person screwed me. I'm not going to keep a good connection. I'm going to, I'm going to get back at it. I would keep like a mental list. Mm. Very, very, very destructive. And I realized today... If I look back at it, all the opportunities I had in life was because of people. Mm. All the opportunities. I, I, all the jobs I got were never through a recruitment company. It was through someone who pushed my CV and passed it on. And I don't know, honestly, thanks to all those people, mm. I, I probably was a bad friend back in the day. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it. A lot of people, I still, a lot of people, I would reach back and be like, hey, I was a bad friend to you three, you. five, six years ago. And I'm sorry. I was not in a good mental space. And that was, that was really good for me to do that as well. And um, all those people that really helped me, I tried not to kind of pay it forward because I start to realize the importance of people. But I didn't realize that till my late 20s because I had such a chip on my shoulder. Yep. I hated the world. The world got, the world screwed me over. I'm going to screw the world over. Hmm. But I think the second I started realizing that's not the way to go and people are very important and it's good to have the connections, it's also a big change in my life. So I think for everyone listening out there who have chips on, chips on their sh- uh, shoulder and and it's kind of you, you hate everyone, you, don't. Don't. Take it from a guy who's been there. You don't want to don't want to live a life like that. You don't yeah. want to live a life like that. And I, I think you've also, particularly these days, when, there's a couple of dynamics I've seen show up over the years. One is most people they they it's not till they're about thirty they understand the power of relationships mm. because whatever when they were younger. But now the the tougher dynamic is the whole digital space. You know, people yes. are so stuck online that they're forgetting the real world exists. 100%. You know, and and relationships are becoming very superficial. Mm. You know, well I know I've got hundreds of friends. Okay. Ask one of them for a lift to the airport. See if they turn up. Ask some, Ask one of them to help you move. There you go, right? <laughs> then you find out who your friends are, right? 100%. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so let's let's get into what you're doing right now. So you basically you have two things going on right now, right? You're the master franchisee mm-hmm. of that, and then you also have your speaking gig. Yeah, it all kind of links. It's all kind of links. Yeah. Let's talk about the thing you're doing as a franchisee. What exactly are you doing with that? How, how does it work? 
So a master franchisee. So you, if you think of something like, let's say Subway. Yeah. Right, or McDonald's. They're okay. franchises, right? Yeah, exactly. So you have somebody who's the master. Their job is to find people to buy franchises. Mm-hmm. Okay. But is that all predicated on the network of potential of companies that want to franchise? Uh, it's normally an individual. So, for example, like Subway, so it's a conglomerate. You need to have a connection within Subway to be able to tell them I could find you franchising in the Middle East. Um, so, um, is that kind of how it is? No, so, so no, there, there okay. are companies that will do that. Okay. Uh, as but as a master, I buy the rights to a region. Okay, oh. I then have to find franchisees myself. Okay, but the rights for that mother company in that region. Yeah, yeah. So I have to buy them. I bought those rights. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I bought the. Can, head can you give me an example, or you can't talk about clients, or can you give me like an example of uh, someone you've done that with, or uh, no? Well, the, our head office is in Switzerland now. Okay, if not head okay, office. So, yeah. So what I do is you buy the rights for incentive in the GCC. Okay, for okay right? for this company. Okay, for this, for this region, and also South India. Yeah. Now here locally, I also operate as a franchisee. Mm-hmm. Right now, a franchisee delivers the actual product, so mm-hmm. that would be the guy that's in McDonald's that flips the burgers. You know, the guy okay. that owns that shop. Okay, and what is incentive as as a core? What is, what's a core business? So the core business for us is through coaching consultancy. Coaching consultancy. Okay. So again, going back to right at the beginning when I said how I, you know, what I do. Yeah. So you kind of find, particularly these days, increasingly there's more and more people starting to work for themselves. Yes. You know, the highest the highest number now is people over forty that are losing their jobs. Yes. And they're suddenly going, oh, you know what? I'm going to go and do that business I always wanted to, mm. right? But what people, what you realize, particularly transitioning from a corporate to working for yourself, is, for lack of a better word, there's a lot of ignorance. Right? Sure. People think, because I'm good at what I do, clients will walk through the door. No. And what they don't realize is, this is what I call the technician mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm good at branding, or I'm good at, I'm a dentist, and I'm good at dentistry, or I'm a lawyer, and I'm good at law. I'm so, I'm a coach. Mm. People are because I'm good, everyone's going to walk to me. No, that you, if you are the world's best kept secret, you're still a secret. Sure. So one of the first transitions for anyone that opens their own business is to realize, well, actually, your primary m- m- role now is marketing and sales. 100%. Right? But because, so sometimes you've got arrogance. Okay. I don't need it. Sometimes you've got fear. I don't know what to do or, or I'm too scared to sell myself. And unless they realize that they now have to market the business as well as handle the accounts, get the toilet paper, clean the floor, mm. worry about clients. So suddenly you've got so many other things to do that it starts to go wrong. And really, that's the niche that Ascentive's made for itself. Mm-hmm. How can you provide people with the tools so they can grow their business, surround themselves with the right resources, get the right advisors, do the right thing, right? But it's not, and, it, and it, you might say training, but it can also be coaching, yeah. So then with, as, as a client of that, would I then come to you and right. be like, I want to get into this field and I want to be—I would want to be part of the incentive network. Then I would have to pay, have to like pay to get into it, kind of thing. Yeah, you pay to learn, basically. Pay, okay, fine. Yeah. So like, you gra- it's like almost like you graduate from a course, basically. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And you uh, become an incentive. What's what's what, so become a certified incentive professional? What do, you, what do you guys call it? Okay, so so as a client, yeah. Let's say you, right? Yeah. So you're, let's say, okay, I want to do podcasting for a living, yeah, right, and I want to go and get my clients and yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. But you know, I'm not getting enough clients. You yeah. come to me and say, right, Phil, how do I get more clients? Mm. Right. So we build your brand on and offline. We get you public speaking. We get you. Mm. How do you get the introductions to the corporates? How do you mm. start structuring your. So all that kind of stuff would okay, fall into fine. place, right? That was that would be a client. Yes. And the great thing about what we do is once you have that knowledge, you've got it forever. Sure. You see, whereas most marketing, 
you have to keep paying and paying and for paying. sure yeah so you go to a web design company right they may be ch charging their clients x hundred thousand for a website they themselves will probably get all their clients through referrals networking relationships hmm. but they'll have no strategy for that Interesting. Okay. it's like if it comes it comes and yeah. yet it's often the best business so if you actually think about it one of the biggest tips in business is if it's working and you're getting what you want do more of it mm. but people don't do more of it because they, they're uncomfortable networking or they're uncomfortable with yeah. people they don't know what to do so that's our space okay, so you guys basically come in there yeah. and, and you guys, so you guys do there's a lot of things you guys do for a client then yeah, it's a ton of things. Almost, yeah. almost so it's like, not just the marketing space. Yeah. You know, the other thing is we said, well, it's, it's lonely out there, right? So how do you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs that can understand so your you make, journey? You even make those connections. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Okay. A whole, so we build networks. So, so you know, you start launching your own business and you, what you'll find is your wife, husband, whatever, don't always understand what's going on in your business. Sure. They, 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 if they have a job, particularly, it's a completely different dynamic. And one of the biggest reasons businesses fail is because the partner doesn't understand. Mm. When I say partner, husband, wife, yeah. girlfriend, they, because they don't understand the journey, they start on a guilt trip. Well, what do you mean you got no money? What do you mm. mean you can't be at home? What do you mean you're not with the kids? What do you mean you? And then the guilt starts. Well, I can't buy mm. my shoes. Can't go on holiday. It's well, maybe you should go back and get that job. Mm. You need to stop pursuing your dream. Yeah. So then, then so so that's working with clients. But then, of course, there's, I don't know, 450, 500,000 businesses in Dubai. I can't work with all of them. Of course not. And neither should I, you know? Uh, um, so there's different nationalities, different languages, mm -hmm. different people like them, me. So I'm also looking for coaches and consultants who actually say, you know what? I've run a successful business. You know, I've done this. And what, what we find is, and you often find this as well, you, you meet people as you're interviewing them. They're good at what they do. Mm. They've earned money. They've got a living. They provided. They've been successful, but inside them, inside themselves, they haven't made that difference. They haven't mm. left that legacy. And a lot of people want to take that role. That's why they become coaches and because mm. they want to do something for other people. So often we find people who've been successful in one area of entrepreneurship will become franchisees for us because now that that gives them the tool to give back. Okay. And how does someone become a franchisee? Basically, and what what does what, what do they get in return? Well, number one, they speak to me. Yeah. So I want to make sure they're the right kind of person. Speak to Phil. Yeah. So again, once they've got that, then they get a they they can either do it as a coach or a consultant, or they can become a franchise. And they become part of the network. They become part of the global network. Okay. Then. And then that gives them. You see, when you get a franchise, the biggest thing about a franchise is you get to work for yourself. Yes. But not by yourself. True. Because yeah. you get access to because experts you get and a bunch yeah. of things. And there's a whole other people that you know your website's there, your products mm. there. You don't. You, I remember when I first thought, you know, I'd love to work for myself. But my question was, what am I going to sell? I've never done it before. I'm scared. Mm. Right. So I didn't do that. But when I, when I was introduced to the franchise system, it was like, oh, hold on a second. All those things that are stopping me from doing this are given to me. Mm. All I've got to do is actually put my marketing ability behind this. Okay, I can do that. Very interesting. Mm. But then it really falls on you and then the mother company to build that brand name. So Absolutely. when that franchisee wants to work with you guys and he'll be like, I'm part of this network, it Correct. comes with a brand power behind it, right? Yeah, absolutely. How do you guys and how do you guys go around it? So do you do do you do the brand marketing for that or for the region, or is it all from like the top? No, it's it's very much done on a regional basis. Okay, fine. So and this hence is the speaking, right? So I do a okay. lot of speaking. So your personal brand like helps your you know, your what's it called? Your franchisee business, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fine. And if you think about that, what I do what I teach, right? So being here with you today, yeah. right? How did this come through into, through, LinkedIn. through LinkedIn, right? So if I'm not available on LinkedIn, mm. this opportunity doesn't arrive, which means that your listeners don't listen to me. 100%. But what's that cost me? 
Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Right? 100%. You know, if I go and do speaking, I can be speaking for free. What does that cost me? Nothing. Pretty much nothing. But if I'm not on LinkedIn, I'm not on Facebook, mm. I'm not network. So suddenly I'm marketing myself for free. Yeah. Whereas if I wasn't me, if I didn't do that, I was most companies, how would I get that opportunity? I would be paying for it. Mm. So so is your main marketing approach organic or do you do, do, you do any paid marketing? Uh, very little. Okay. Uh, when you say organic, see organic kind of leaves so, it to chance. But what I do is I market with I'm purpose, using, I'm using media but without terms. paying Yeah, for I'm it. using media terms, yeah, so organic yeah, yeah, being yeah. not paid, basically. Yeah. Well, but again, yeah, so I put purpose behind the free stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I completely get you. Because yeah. I'm going to switch on my media cap right now because I'm, I'm always interested. I'm, I'm very pro-organic, obviously, mm. because I think there's a lot more authenticity and there's a mm-hmm. lot more there's a lot more power. But there is something to paid marketing and paid mm. media. And I do a little bit, yeah. Okay, cool. What, what, do, you, what do you do? Um, so some Facebook ads. Okay. Because uh, what I've noticed is there's some... Do you do it yourself? Do you freelance it or do you have someone? No, I do it myself. Okay, fine, cool. Um, you have to teach yourself? I've had tips from my network. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, you go through yeah, your network that, that, for education, that network, right? Yeah, 100%. Although, you know, in, in times I have engaged people. So at times I've engaged people to do it for me. Mm. But like any business, you've got to be in a certain place to do that. Um, so to engage a social media company, you're looking, what, five, six, seven grand a month. Easy. Low end, right? Well, if you're a, an and in B2B, that rarely lands clients. Yeah, sure. Right? It's good for visibility and brand, but it rarely lands clients. Mm. So as a brand new business, that's not where you spend your money. Mm. Yeah, that's what comes later on when you're starting to move and motor, right? So, um, so yeah, I've learned to do it myself. So I, what I've recognized is the fact that on for some of my networking events, putting money behind that works. Okay. Right? People pick that up. But if I have a training, let's say training, um, workshop, I put money behind that, I'll get nothing. Mm-hmm. So what I've realized, what I recognized is what picks up and what works. Fair enough. Yeah, through through trial and error. But when I'm saying put money behind it, I'm talking 150 dirhams. Yeah, it's fine. I'm you don't you don't, man, man, yeah, you don't need to put that much. Um, all right, cool. So now let's get into the the thing you do, your speaking and your coaching. So how, how what, what what are you doing with that exactly? So wait, wait, what, do you work with companies? Do you work with individuals? So both really. Okay, fine. Um, my my primary market is is entrepreneurs. Okay. And, and small businesses. And startups, basically. Yeah, really, because the thing is, they do have limited funds. Sure. And they do have all those pains I've mentioned before. So, so number one, if they really want it, and if they ha- get a connection, they can put their hand in the pocket and pay for it. Job mm. done, right? You're moving on. Can can I work with big corporates? Well, 100%, because at the end of the day, they still get business sure. from those dynamics. But the challenges with a bigger company is they have budget. Mm. They have money to spend on advertising marketing. They have PR. They have sales teams. So they're less likely to turn around and say, "Oh, there's some referral networking thing. We need to work on that." Mm. Because they got the and because everyone's so uncomfortable with it, including the bosses. Yeah, they don't tend to do anything with it. Um, That's true. And I've, you know, I've, so I've, you prefer to work with entrepreneurs. I do because it's a, it's a faster decision making process, and I can make a bigger difference because they're going through a bigger mm, pain. That's that's the key. You know what I mean? So that, that's that fulfills key. me, that's right? That's the key. Yeah. But on the other side, I've worked with Cartier, Hard Rock Cafe. I've worked with other, mm. some big, big companies around the world um, who've turned around and said, "You know what? Wouldn't it be a good thing if all our teams could generate opportunities from their own lives, networks, mm. abilities?" So they've kind of enhanced their business generation opportunities, but not everybody gets that. Okay, interesting. And how, I have a question, because it's something that I've, I've kind of realized. I'm new to the whole uh, speaking, coaching, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm re- relatively new to it in terms of like actually kind of deep diving. Don't you feel we're in an age right now where this is kind of like the it thing to do? Because the amount of public speakers and coaches are and entrepreneurs is massive right now. I think, it's, I think it went from something to be very niche. It's kind of like the thing that everyone wants to do. 
and I feel that it's hard now. Now you're getting more quantity. Does that hurting quality? You think? I wouldn't say it's hurting quality. I think um, it's very interesting that you said that. There's definitely a shift towards entrepreneurism for sure, as we've said globally because yes. of the whole. Uh, well, the dynamics of business is changing, right? People are getting rid of them at forty. It's right? become like the cool thing yeah. to do now. Yeah. Well, and because I think people are getting they're getting rid of them at forty, and businesses are changing, so they're automation mm. or whatever. So people are taking that chance. Um, uh, there's a man if in Dubai, you throw a stone, you hit a coach. Yes, or right? a speaker, or, or some a speaker, motivational yeah. speaker, whatever. Um, yeah. And and I think a lot of these people are privileged because they may have a partner that has a really really good job, mm. and so you know. They're doing this because they want to give back, or whatever reason they're doing it for. But they're privileged in the fact. That I think a lot of them doing it for the money, man. Well, some maybe. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some that are. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some that. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being paid. But there's nothing wrong with being paid. But if, right? that, but if that's your the reason you're doing it, I have a problem. With it. Like if you're if you want to do it because you think you have something of value to give to others and you love to help others, man, you should get paid 100. percent But if you're doing it just because you want to get paid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, raise an eyebrow. Then again, what's the difference? You're getting paid to do marketing just because you get paid. Yeah. Right. But as long as you're making a difference in the way that it's done for, you know, sure. a doctor will go out and make a difference, right? And they need to get paid for it. They can't do it for free. Sure. You know, the interesting dynamic in this market is a lot of us will spend years getting the knowledge to be a speaker. Yes. Collecting all that knowledge, the skill to be a speaker, the ability to stand there. And here in this local market, they expect you to speak for free. Mm. Free. I spent a fortune. So, what if I said it. to you, Mister Mister Person on the other end, uh, that you go and work for you know your job for free for a week? Would you do that? Of course, you wouldn't. No, of course not. Okay. So, so, um, but anyway, you, I think that the challenge is here for whatever reason you choose to do coaching or speaking or anything. You need to accept the fact that if you are in this because you need to make a living, you need to earn money. Because mm-hmm. so, if you can't feed yourself, if you can't feed your family, you can't help your clients. Sure, so you've got to be making money for sure. Um, but I know what you're saying about having that core reason for me. For me, it's, for me it's, it's, the, it's the intention. Yeah. Because I think right now we're in a phase that, especially with companies, I'm saying this coming from a client side, is that we love speakers and we love like we love to get speakers. But internally, I don't know if we're doing it for the right reasons. Is we doing it because HR wants to take off a box? Because that's that's kind of a common thing. And I think then you're inundated with like, for example, like for my company, I had to interview speakers. Mm-hmm. We want we want to talk about a different a specific subject. I interviewed a ton of speakers, and it was hard for me to find someone of value. It was hard. I'm taking wow. it from a client. Like I interviewed a lot, maybe I don't know five, six, ten. You need some 10. good ones. Give me a call. I uh, right now, now I do. <laughs> but like uh, I, I was working with HR. I'm sure they were working with a third party or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Okay. And I, 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 it was, I was finding it hard because I'm all about value. And I was mm-hmm. trying to talk to this person. It was very marketing and digital oriented, which is my expertise. Mm-hmm. And I felt those people were literally coming to sell me generic things they learned from a top 10 Google list. And I'm like, okay, but that's that's not, there's no value here. So I found it difficult to be honest. Yeah. I, I and I feel we hired just the best of the worst pool, sadly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got speaker bureaus out there and you've got speakers like myself who happen to know who the good ones are. Mm. So sometimes you can actually reach out to a speaker and say, hey, who do you know? Yeah, I didn't know uh, that at the time. And, right? and, yeah, and that's networking, right? Yeah, 100%. But, um, there's some really great speakers. There are time. definitely there's some great ones, but there's great. also some bad ones. Yeah, and you know, at just the end of the day, there, there's also a lot of people stand on stages who are, they've got no money and they're telling people how to live their lives and yet they themselves are struggling. And people don't realize that. You give someone a stage and a mic, you immediately think they're an expert and they they, they know what they're doing, right? Mm. Um, but we all have to, you know, at the end of the day, get there. We don't know. Very few of us actually start off with a golden spoon and loads of money and loads of success. We all have to climb our way up there. Yeah. 
Um, I'm surprised when people in this region have that, <laughs> especially when you're dealing with Arabs, man. Like, I love that family money comes into play. Well, do you know, I, I see that a lot, and um, I, I prefer to work with first generation yeah. entrepreneurs purely because they're, they're hungry. Mm. They'll make it happen. They'll do what they need to do. You know, if you have been given your money by your parents, well, you know, thank you, parents. That's a nice gift. It also tends to breed a, breed a little bit of complacency. Hundred yeah. percent. The amount of people I know. Because I went to high school with him, and I went to a, a very poshy high school. Not because mm. I was posh; it just it just it happened. Because it was an it was like probably only the the good American school in Lebanon, mm. and I, I come from an American background, so I, I went to that so I could keep within the environment. The amount of kids you meet, we're talking about high school, eighteen year olds, mm. right? Who had open credit cards from their parents, right? Mm-hmm. And and then when you look at them today, these people are not doing very well in mm-hmm. life, sadly. Mm-hmm. I really, I wish they were. I don't wish a negative on anyone, but they're not doing very well. And I, I'm sure a reason comes down to those parents be like, "Don't worry about it. We'll mm-hmm. give you anything you need." That, anything that you, you know need. what I mean? And I, a lot of them went to rehab. A lot of them uh, are just graduate university very late in life because they they kept failing year after year, jumping university to university, or, or or you know just not are not making it in life. And I feel bad for them. Well, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because that whole situation probably comes from love, right? You know, I struggled, so I don't want mm. my kids to. Uh, and, and so, but, but I it, say, does it I say that? yes and no. There's some of them like that. There's also some people, some parents, especially when you meet very rich Arab parents, the parents want to travel the world. They don't really care about the kids. Oh. Here you go. Here's a credit card. You'll be fine. The maid will take care of you. The oh. driver will take care of you. Here's a credit card. Live your life. Me and mom are going to go spend six months in Europe. Okay. Yeah. You get that a lot in, in the, I think, I don't know if it's Lebanese only or probably in the Arab culture. You get that a lot. Where you subsidize parenting with 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 money? Yeah, I think I think I was lucky. I mean, I, oh, definitely. I, I grew up as um, I, mean, I grew up in what I suppose in the UK they call lower middle class. Mm. So dad was a welder, mum was a nurse. Yeah, right. And and I remember we didn't have a lot of money. You know, they used to grow their own vegetables in the mm. back garden. I remember Snowy the rabbit disappearing one year. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Snowy? Mm. <laughs> that was interesting chicken last night. Um, but. Uh, you know, but I remember as a kid, you know, my dad was, he'd show me how to do something once and mm. that's it. Now you do it yourself. You know, you want to earn money, clean the house. Yeah. You know, so I, I had to work for my pocket money. I had to work. So I understood the value of money. I had a job from, you know, I used to do a paper round from 11 years old. Uh, at 14, I had three jobs. That's really cool. You know? So you learned, you, learned, you know, entrepreneurship at a very young age. That's very rare in the Arab world. Is because it? Yeah, it is quite rare. Because it, 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 there's a stigma if your kids work. Mm. Which is not good. Okay. So have you heard? Have you heard X and X's kid? Oh, they're working at McDonald's. Interesting. Oh no, they must be doing very well. And it comes a stigma. So like you, you should like pe- people don't like to let their kids work, especially if you're talking about middle class, upper middle class, the, the, the you know the wealthy class. People don't want to let their kids work. Even though for me, I realize that my kids are going to work. Kids, if you're listening to this in, in 15 years and you're wondering why Dad made you made you work at a young age, because it's better for you. You learn the entrepreneurship. But it's interesting if you if you watch some of these entre- you know some of these really successful entrepreneur shows, you know some of the multimillionaires, and I think this is a cultural thing what we're talking mm. about here. But a lot of places in the world, they'll put their kids at the bottom and get them to start by cleaning the floors. Yeah, you know, so they I'm learn totally every single role and they, they understand the value of money. And yeah, I'm totally for that. Mm. So uh, equally, do you also uh, market your personal brand also very organically? Yeah, again. So okay, fine. Do you create content? Yeah. How do you? How, what kind of content do you create? Do videos. All right, cool. Long form. Excuse me. Long form, short form. Uh, they'll be short. Okay, fine. Like what? Ten minutes. Oof, no. 20, really? Thirty seconds. Why? Uh, because people's attention spans. You're advertising thirty seconds, but how about your org? Tips. Okay, fine. 
Do you know what I would do? do, you know I, would do? I want to give value back to you. Let, okay, let, for let, it. Let, let, I would do, if I, was a spe- if I was a coach, trainer, speaker like yourself, I would basically take a, a speaking thing I did. It doesn't have to be recent. Let's say it's, how, how long is usually a speaking thing of yours? Go for it. An hour. Okay, cool. I would take the whole hour. Put that on YouTube. Okay, thank you. And then I would break that down. Okay. Into 20 second, 30 second, 45 second, 60 second clips. Okay. And then that will become my content for social, Facebook and Instagram. Right. So then you so you take long form. Now you broken it down to short form, right? And then you then you distribute that. And then you watch which ones which ones doing better, which ones getting more likes, which ones getting more views, which ones getting more comments. All right, cool. This one is getting more. Why? We'll go back and watch it. Did I say something? Was I was I talking about empathy? Was I talking about a specific skill? See what's there. All right. And then after you get that, then I would take that and then I'll turn that into, for example, an article over that topic of that. And then I distribute the article again. You know what I mean? Nice. So you start long all the way down to short. Mm. That's how I would do it. Cool. Thanks. Definitely, I think that's the way to do it. I learned that one. You know Gary Vee? Mm-hmm. He, he released a content strategy a few years ago. 86-page document, his content strategy. Mm. Genius. Absolutely genius. It's something that I want to start looking to. Once I switch this podcast to video, I think I'll be going down that route 100%. Nice. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, what you're hitting there is, you know, as a small business, and this is the next part of my transition yeah. is listening to experts like yourself with ideas, right? Yeah. This is the great thing about networks. Yeah, 100%. And, um, but you can't do everything from day one. No, you so, can't. so what we find you is build you, you do it. this, then you do this, then we meet you and you suggest that. And so I do that. And then yeah. later on, we talk about, Phil, you should be doing a podcast. You should definitely do a podcast. There you go, mate. So it's, you know, that. but at the end of the day, as a new business owner, you can't do it all. So what you, you do is you start somewhere with 100%. works and then you transition. Start with what works with you and then grow. That's exactly Absolutely. right. Absolutely. And for me, it's a lot of trial and error. Like I, I first began, I started, I tried, I tested video for my podcast. Mm. Then I realized that I couldn't do it. I didn't have the knowledge. Also, my equipment wasn't ready for it. I'm like, so I transitioned to audio. Now I'm, now I'm kind of learning and trying to learn as much as I can about audio. And then I eventually want to then transition back to video. Because I, you know what I mean? So you kind of have to mm. keep doing it. Kind of, but I definitely think you should start a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy. Maybe you have to come on it. Happy, on the first happy, what do you reckon? Happy eh? to. And if, yeah, happy to. Definitely. And what's really cool is I'm loving the podcast world uh, here. It's uh, people, it's a small world, a small realm, and people are very collaborative, which mm. is really nice. Okay. Like I started and automatically I started meeting people, reaching out to people, people reaching out to me, being asked to come on now, I've been asked to come on a panel uh, next month, which I'm really excited about. I'm like, wow, I'll, I don't even think I'm special enough to be on a panel, but that's really nice. They asked me to, and it's a really cool community. I'm really, I'm really blown away how 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 nice and how how people love to help each other. Do you know, it's kind of interesting the whole podcast thing because uh, you know you kind of when you look at technology, you kind of start to move towards video and you start to mm. do this, and you kind of think oh, podcast a little bit old, you know? Because right? audio's there is you old. go because audio's, audio's old, old with radio and stuff. And as I was saying before we kicked off here, you know, it's um, you know, at the end of the day when you're driving. Well, you can't use video. You've got to go back to the audio. Yeah. You know, so you either listen to music or you listen to podcasts, right? 100%. So I think there's a massive... Difference. I think I think as as the human race evolves into multitask, we're we, doing many things at the same time, audio will always trump video Mm-mm-mm. in that case. Because people now want... Before it was, okay, focus on the task. Do not people want to do many things because people are, I don't know, they're, they're trying to be you know, knowledgeable or whatever and they want, to, they want to learn while they're studying. They want to do something while they're working out. They want, you know what I mean? So now that's where, for me, audio... Trumps mm-hmm. and then for me, podcast trump radio. I tried doing radio, I hated experience. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's short form. I don't think there's anything of value that can be said in, I don't know, five minute segments, 10 minute segments. I love this long form. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where podcasts will beat radio. And I think eventually more and more 
radio stations will evolve into podcast stations. I think that's my kind of my thing. Have you done, you've done radio before, right? Yeah. Did you like the experience? I loved it. Okay, fine. Yeah, I just love it. I love getting questions on the spot. Fair enough. Yeah, was it long form or was it short form? It was only about five, ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. For me, that for me, I don't believe value can be found in ten minutes. It's too short. It's too short. It was interesting. I did the 103.8 with um, the business breakfast. Yeah. And of course, you got Malcolm, who's, uh, they did a lot of research. Mm. So it's kind of interesting when you do that, because it's almost, as part of the show, they want to kind of see how much you know, so that you don't know what the questions are going to be. Fair enough. And they really research it. Fair so enough. if you don't know your stuff, they'll catch you out. Yeah, fair enough. And, no, I, yeah. I, I could, I could, so I I could like, appreciate that and the prep work and everything to do with For me, it's like the fact that we mm-hmm. saw it's been an hour already. Mm. And I'm sure there's so much value you can pull out from different segments of this. And we talked about different tangents. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the the overall quant. I don't know. That's what I'm, that's what I think. But also as an extrovert, this is your style, right? You want to go wherever it takes you. That's, that's exactly you know how I want to do it. Whereas Whereas if you're an introvert, you'd be planning this. Yes. Yeah, I guess it works. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Let's wrap this up because I know you're super busy and we hit our hour. Um, where can people find you? Where can people reach out? Uh, TheRebelNetworker.com All right, cool. is my personal website. All right, um, awesome. Yeah, reach out to me there or LinkedIn, Facebook. You can just search Phil Bedford. I'll put all the links. So yeah, we'll, we'll, whenever this episode goes live, I'll ask you for a link, a description. I'll put it so people can can know. Guys, definitely reach out to him. Um, funny enough, because I, I, I'm, I'm getting into that realm and I'm starting to slowly weed out the, the real from the fake kind of thing. And because I feel you've lived a lot of this stuff and you're – because learning about your journey is – that's why I love learning about the journey. Because hmm. I think you realize – and right, when, is this guy, when he, when he actually comes and talks to me, is he full of it or he actually lived? And I feel that, you know, your journey has been quite interesting where you've learned, lived and you kind of went through those failures and successes kind of thing. Hmm. We do need to get you on a podcast. So I'm going to be I'll, – I'll, I'll get Phil on one. Yes, he, he has. You have to make your own one. So we'll, 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 I'll help him out with that. Um, yeah, a really awesome stuff, guys. Definitely hit him up. I'll put all the links. Make sure you guys reach him. For me, it's Digital Who's on Instagram and Twitter. Find me there. Podcast is everywhere now. We're ten plus sites. Adrami as well. Shout out to Adrami for getting me on. Um, make sure to subscribe. Send those feedbacks. So the feedback's slowly coming back now. People are now starting to rate the show, which I'm, you know, only five or six ratings, but better than nothing. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Uh, people seem to enjoy it. Uh, that's really good and honestly loving the community loving the feedback like everyone so guys make sure you hit it up, hit us up uh, the, the podcast me or Phil you guys know where to find us that's it guys this, let's take this online and we are out